This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. With me today is my good friend, Will Frattini from Zoom Info. And on this episode, we're going to be focusing on account management, account retention, and account expansion. It's something that we don't talk a lot about because we're always focusing on the sexy things like closing sales and prospecting. And Will and I have worked together a lot on many different subjects. And I'm really excited about bringing him on the day to talk about something that's super important, like keeping your business. Before we get started, I want you to go check out Sales Gravy University, the most powerful sales training engine on earth. If you're an individual, you can come on, grab an all-access pass and take all the courses you want. If you're a team, a small team, check out our team hub where you can have all of your training in one place for your team. And if you're a large team, integrate our content directly into your LMS. Sales Gravy University is like nothing else you've ever experienced because we've got training from the top experts in the world, plus we have live courses every single week taught by our master trainers. And if you've never taken a course before on Sales Gravy, you can use the code free course to take any course in the catalog. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com and give us a try by taking any course you want with the code free course. Will Frattini, welcome to the Sales Gravy podcast. Hello, my friend. Excited to be here with you today. Well, I'm glad to be with you too. I, we we had a webinar just a, a few weeks ago on, uh, on for, for Zoom Info, and you can go find that at Zoom Info. I think forward slash resources. You can go check those things out. Uh, but we 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 were talking about account management, and it was a, there were so many people in the webinar. There were so many questions that people were asking, and we really never got to cover the entire subject. And I know this is something that's super important to you right now through our conversations, just because you've got a, a lot of emphasis on this in your own company on improving the account management process so that we're, you're retaining your customers. And the same thing with my company, we are going through every account every day and we're red, yelling and greening, red, yellow, red, yellow, and greening those accounts so that we know where we're focusing on. And, and I thought we could extend the conversation there, but before we get started, can you tell the audience a little bit about your role at Zoom Info? And uh, and then maybe help us understand your credibility as a sales professional, as an account management professional. Yeah, I, I don't love talking about myself, but I uh, I definitely love love uh, accolades. So I, I, it's weird to do that for about myself. But sure, I, I, Will Fertini, uh, I, I'm the head of strategic revenue and growth here at Zeminfo. It'll be almost nine years that I've been with Zeminfo. I joined the. Zoom info business when there were about 120 employees. Um, my wife actually framed my interview notes. So the day we went public, she gave those to me, which was a pretty cool thing. Um, we've grown from two small businesses formerly known as discover org, which Henry Shuck, our current CEO chairman of the board founded, um, you know, and zoom info's legacy business, which was called zoom info. We grew those two businesses from probably 250, 300 employees to now over 3,500 employees across the world. We've got 35,000 customers of all shape and size. Um, and over my time at Zeminfo, I've spent time in a new business acquisition role, uh, team lead, manager, senior manager, director. Uh, I've also spent time as a specialist seller for some of our emerging products into our existing customer base. Um, I was the number one out of 143 emerging sellers in 2022. Um, made President's Club every year that we possibly could have had it. And we just got back from uh, 
Cabo a couple of weeks ago, which was a blast. Um, and my current role in the business is focused on finding the beachhead of where's the next, you know, pain and need that our customers might have that we can focus on. Cause I think it, anyone that sold a, a portfolio of services or said simpler, anyone who sold a lot of different stuff to their clients knows that you can't kind of talk about everything all at once. Uh, to find that opportunity to help your customer solve one thing is sales and nirvana is to kind of help them solve a problem that turns into another solution and another solution. So I seem to have uh, an inept skill set to uh, translate the Zoom Info story into a way that a lot of people can digest upon it in a, one or two phone calls. And I was fortunate enough to have our CRO tap me and say, hey, would you like to do that full time? in uh, 2023. And that's been my remit ever since is I tend to work with our more strategic customers, but you know, I'm still spending time with companies that might even have a couple hundred employees. You know, if our sales team needs a, an extra set of eyes and ears to be an executive kind of strategy person. So it's, it's been fun to be a part of all different stages of our sales process. And even now I'm spending time with our product team and our enablement team to talk about things that they do. And um, I've been very fortunate to be given a lot of trust and opportunity. And I, work my butt off to kind of not expect any of it. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what's, what's ahead with Zoom info, but it's been, uh, it's been quite a ride to talk about stuff that we get to do every single day with you for a couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's fun to put it into practice and keep kind of looking for that 1% more and that little bit sharper of an edge that I can bring to my next call every day. So excited to chat. And, and I like, I like spending time with, you know, with professionals like you will, because you know, a lot of times on podcasts, we, we're talking to authors and we're talking to people who have set up their own practices and they're teaching other people how to do this or they're consulting. You're actually in the trenches doing it. Like you're, there's no, there's, there, you know, you don't have the op- option of saying, well, I'm going to go help someone else do it. You've got to go figure it out. And I love what you said about working with your more strategic customers and finding the, finding the, the, the next thing for them to, to buy because you found another solution. So. Let's let's step into that for a moment and let's talk about the role of an account manager when it comes to expanding revenue inside of accounts. So let me ask you a quick question. If you can maybe explain this, we, we throw around customer success a lot and account management a lot, and they're 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 cousins to each other. But can you help us understand the difference between customer success and account management? Yeah. So and, and from my observation too, a lot of companies are iterating more than they've ever done. And these, this, this kind of, these two roles specifically has come up more often than not. But for us at Zoom Info, our customer success team tends to own the execution on the vision of what was purchased and what's been implemented. That's the simplest, most direct way to explain that functionality. And I've spent a lot of my time in the last even, let's call it quarter and a half, two quarters um, with that team, building relationships with our CSM team, getting to understand kind of what makes them tick and how they, how they operate on a daily basis. The account managers historically have owned the dollars, the net revenue retention of the accounts. And ultimately the success of that comes from the customer success team executing the vision of what was purchased. And so those two teams work in lockstep But why we years ago split those roles into two parts was there needed to be a trusted advisory team that wasn't gold or incentivized or compensated on upselling their customer. And so if their success and their compensation was built around net promoter score, which it is, and around overall retention on the account, which it is, that freed up more opportunity for the account managers to sell 
and to identify additional need and to build relationships that did turn into additional dollars. And then towards the end of the anniversary of the renewal, those two teams come together and usually they've talked every day or every week in my experience uh, about the plans that they execute on. So that, that serves and feeds into the ultimate net retention and the renewal. When you think about account retention and account expansion in your space, you know, I, I think about it and I'm a zoom info customer. So I use zoom info every single day. We've, yep. uh, we've just signed some horrendously long contract with your organization. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, sure what, what it is at this point, but we added a bunch of licenses for our, for our training team so that they all have access to, to data that they need. But the, when I look at it, I think the first step when you get a new customer on is making sure that they get into the habit of using the tool and the platform on with everything that they do, because if they don't use the tool and the platform, it's very difficult to retain them. And that would be customer success, bringing them in account manager, building the relationship and building that trust. But then long-term customer success is really working zoom info into their standard workflow. So that's integrated completely into their business so that it's very hard for them to a unwind it, but more importantly, they it's it's so integrated into what they do every day that they can't imagine living without it. Is would that be the right way of saying that for customer success? Yeah, it, and I think in this spirit of inclusivity to your audience, like let's say I'm a, I'm a company that does services and I don't sell a product. You know, I would think again about the definition as I see it a customer success manager and that team is to execute the vision of what was promised. Like that might mean adoption or implementation or usage and stickiness of a product, but it might also be on, you know, tracking outcomes of the product and service. And that's not ironically why I bring it up. That's been a big part of my role over the last three to six months specifically is, you know, how can we help our customers define and track the outcomes that they bought into that they wanted to go and achieve. And sometimes it's not as obvious as like usage of a product, right? You know, I might not realize if I'm a day-to-day user that, you know, let's, let's use this as an example for us. Our customer success team is really good at this type of stuff. So let's say I'm a user and one week I booked five meetings. I'm an SDR user of zoom info. I booked five meetings next week. I booked six meetings to me and maybe even to my frontline boss. I didn't really have that much better of a week. Right. I kind of don't even feel like I had that good of a week still. But to my leadership, if I'm one of five other SDRs, I just increased my productivity by 20%. Uh. Right. And so a CSM's job is to make that part of the cadence to say, hey, the services rendered will look like this when you do this. And, you know, a user might not even realize a, a user logging in every day, all day might not even think about it. Right? A person benefiting from services advisory work might not sit there and say, man, this consultant is really worth my time. But if you track the outcomes aligned to the vision, you know, that CSM cohort, and this is very true for our business and all of our account managers will be the first to tell you that the CSM team is one of the most important, if not the most important kind of pieces of our account management RNG engine. Um, and so that's the fun part of kind of, it's a little bit of storytelling. Some could, some people could say that, but it's a lot more of like, just let's, let's go make sure we execute what it is that you said you wanted to go do. Right. Yeah. I looked at my CSMs on my, especially my major software purchases is my advocates. Like there, if when I have a good, when I have a good CSM, I don't miss my account manager. When I have a bad CSM, I'm, I'm blowing my account manager up because if I, if I have a person who's just advocating for me, taking care of problems, looking at it. And when there's an issue, 
they're jumping in the middle of it and running me through the organization to get it fixed, especially on software that I use to run my business. And there's, there's always something that's wrong. I mean, there's a bug here and there. There's something I don't know how to use or what have you. Uh, that relationship works very, very well. Uh, so, and, and, and when the account manager has the finger on the pulse, when they're paying attention to what the CSMs are doing and they poke their head in, if they see like a pattern of, of an issue and my, my account manager pokes their head in, it's like the most comforting thing to know that, Hey, I've got a couple of people paying attention to me. It gets a little bit hairier when the CSM never shows up and the account manager never shows up. Then it's a little bit harder in those situations. The account manager's role with, with the customer can you walk us through that? Like what op- optimally, what should the account manager be doing? Yeah. I mean, the, the end outcome for an account manager is net revenue retention. Um, that's a, maybe a $10 term to talk about, like retain the revenue you sold last year. So make sure if you sold a hundred bucks that you sell a hundred this year and probably account for some of those dollars to fall out and find a way to fill them and then grow them. So I sold a hundred, I bet I'm going to lose 10. So I'm already starting at 90 you know, how good am I at finding another 10 to backfill that? And ideally another 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 more, um, in software, you know, NRR is one of the, you know, seminal statistics that wall street or private equity people look at. And, uh, one of the most impressive statistics when a business is getting acquired, um, is kind of how well did they do with that before they had to. Right. Um, and so an account manager's job finesses that quite a bit, right? You know, a customer willing to retain and grow, um, and an account manager's ability to, to get that conversation, whether it's over a lot of different upsells or if it's just building rapport and relationships, um, that's, that's mainly the account manager's remit as an outcome. So the, when you think about the account manager, you go, if I start a year with a hundred accounts and to say those hundred accounts are doing a hundred thousand dollars there's an expectation that some of those accounts are going to shrink and some of those accounts are going to grow and that's going to be organic. But a good account manager has their finger on the pulse of all of those accounts. And they're recognizing that as they begin the year on their plan, that they've got to build on that base by say 20%. That's how I always did as account manager. Like you would get a plan and your plan would be a 10 or 20% growth rate on the base. And that would require you to get deep inside those organizations and try to find more revenue inside those organizations, whether it's a new division of the organization or a new service that you're selling to the organization, but you're, you're on the hunt for more opportunities. Is that, did I get that right? You got that right. Yeah. No, you got that right. And, and I think that's, that's the, that's the important thing for account managers to understand is that your job is account expansion. Your job is to grow it and make it bigger. You can't do that if you're not retaining the accounts that you have. So if you lose, let's just say you have an account that's at, you know, out of your hundred thousand, you got accounts at this thousand and you lose the entire account, you lost a thousand dollars. If you're, if it's, if you lost half of it because they, the company started reducing seats or the company shrunk in its size, or there was an economic issue, then you, you have to only make up 500 of that, but it begins and ends with retention. Like you've got to save your business. So let me, let's, let's, as we look at account management, so if you're in a role, you're listening to this and you're in a role, either you're in a, in a, um, in a lot of cases, especially in, in with small businesses and in business services, you may be having a role where you're, you're hunting for new business and you're having to retain and maintain existing accounts. Very tough to do. In other situations, you're a complete account manager. Walk me, walk me through the mistakes that account managers make with, with that particular mission. Yeah. So it's the, 
like the absentee business owner, right? You know, the the person that just kind of waits around for something bad to happen and otherwise things are good, right? Um, more specifically said, you just don't talk to your clients until you absolutely have to. That's the number one mistake that I'm sure, you know, all of us have been exposed to at some part in our career is we are the client of that person or, you know, candidly, I don't think any account manager can truly admit they haven't been that person with at least one of their customers once in their career. Um, I think what I've noticed as well is there are certain account managers that are too detached from their business, their book of business. They don't know their customers for anything more than a, you know, a, a use case or a department level value prop. Um, there's no tie in to what the business's objectives are. You know, if they were to talk to their client, they're constantly asking surface level questions and they don't know who's who or why things are happening. Um, and, you know, frankly, on the flip side of that, sometimes I've seen the mistake made of account managers just know way too much stuff that doesn't actually translate to the value that the client's trying to get to. Um, and there's just so much distraction on, here's all the stuff we do. I might have one time to talk to you in the next 30 days. So I make sure I tell you everything we do. And, it, you know, I think those are the key themes that any business is going to run into that grows its product offering or grows its client base or both is, you know, can you make it very clear to your account managers, you know, what is the ultimate outcome? Number one, in our case, it's never net revenue retention. But, you know, can you make it very clear that they have the freedom to go and learn as much as they possibly can about their clients? And and can you, do you give them the tools to go do that? Or do you make it really hard for them to do it to the fact that they don't want to do it? Um, because some of those mistakes that account managers make are almost out of force of necessity, right? They have to, they have to only prioritize certain things that I don't have time to go read 50, 10 Ks about the fortune 50, you know, otherwise I'd never see my family. <laughs> right. Um, or I don't have time to know which of my five customers, you know, has a 15 person ABM team. If I have to go look for that for three hours on the internet. Right. And so those are things that I've seen some account managers make mistakes on. And sometimes they get, you know, get penalized for it where they miss their number and then they reap the, the, the punishment and the consequence. And sometimes they actually can get away with it for a certain extent of time. Um, but, you know, I think if I had to pick one of those, I would say that they know their customers way too surface level and they're trying to tell them all the stuff that they can do for them as opposed to just kind of listening actively and understanding where that next best opportunity to solve a problem is. Well, I tell you, as, you know, as a, as a consumer, as a business owner, we, I spend money on services. The, the thing that irritates me the most about account managers are the ones that I never hear from until they want to sell me something. Yep. It, it really bothers me. It's, uh, it bothers me because they're, they don't really grab time to like, let me make some recommendations. Let's, let's take a look at what you're doing now. Let's, let's look at your business and even bringing in, best practices from their other clients. Say, I've got another client. I love them when they go, I got another client that's experiencing this. You might want to consider that. And because I always, when I was an account manager and I, I was like you, I, I worked on our most strategic accounts when I was an account manager. I was a national account manager, largest companies in, you know, in the world that I, that I handled. I was at the headquarters level and at the location level. And my job was to go find ways to grow the business, but I found ways to grow the business by solving problems for them. Like I was yep. really digging into their company as a, as a, as a consultant. I mean, you know, you were talking about a high level of business acumen to look at the business and be able to say, Hey, I've got another client that's experiencing this. 
let, let's work on this. Or I see a place where you're leaking profit. If we were to close this up, I can put this much money on your, on your bottom line. And that's how I would grow my accounts and retain my accounts over time by always being there and adding value. In other words, I want, I wanted my customer to feel like they couldn't live without me. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's funny. My wife and I were away. It was my birthday uh, just yesterday. So she took me away for the weekend and uh, we had some downtime and I put on comedy central and the office came up. It was the episode where Dwight takes the temp Ryan out on a sales call and he's, he's like giving him all the tips and I'm sitting there. I'm just laughing. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, talk in real dollars, yep. look for a problem to solve. I mean, this is one of the funniest, most satirically made, you know, shows ever, but it's like, the simple stuff is usually what people avoid because they look for some shortcut and in account management, you are just on display in front of your client. If you're trying to take a shortcut, you just can't and your clients know it. And the worst part is you have all your competitors. You and I have talked about this on probably a half a dozen different podcasts. All your competitors want to come in and eat your lunch. They're looking for any opportunity, any day of the week that they can just pop in and be like, Hey, is it the right time now? And if you have one bad moment where you're like, man, that will, I haven't heard from him in six months. And he just sent me an email about this thing I'm supposed to buy for the first time in six months. You know what? I'm going to take Will's competitors call. They've been emailing me every week. It's not like they don't email me every week, you know, and those are the things that like, it's just, I I've, I've been taught to go and embrace and look for friction in a non-combative way. And with a customer, you know, especially with a business owner like yourself, like most people that are in charge of a business unit or a business owner have come through some period of selling themselves to a customer base or are talking to their customers almost all the time. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the most fun opportunity to speak executive level talk for a minute because they're the ones that know like they're constantly selling too. And so they're looking for a good sales experience almost more than anybody. And that's not to say just because you're a, you know, a sales trainer and a sales guru by trade. Like it's, it's genuinely true for any CEO of a business. Those folks have had to sell themselves for years to their customer base and to their investor communities or who shareholders, if they're a publicly traded company, the press. Um, and so I think as account managers, like, I knew you were going to say that because you've said that to me multiple times. Like it's the cardinal sin of just not talking to your client. Um, and it's hard, right? Like I said earlier, CSM's job is to execute the vision historically. Account manager's job is to upsell. So if you're not maniacally organized, you know, the way I think about it, you are, you always hear your sales leader say, Oh yeah, you, you got to own your business. You know, the CEO is the account manager, but you know, as Warren Buffett says, you got to have your nose just far enough in a room to smell what's going on without them seeing your face and be able to back out your CSMs, your GMs, you know, they're your, they're your operations leaders. They're the ones that are running the business day to day, but you can't not know every single thing that's going on at, at least at a high enough level. You can't not be a good project manager and a good, you know, vision executor at the, at the highest level. So. Well, this is what bothers me about account managers. So I'm going to get to just get, keep it real with you. And I've got, cause I've had my own perspective of being an account manager. And my perspective was that I worked with some of the largest brands in the world. I had, I was insanely successful at it. I was the top of the top ranking every year that I did this job. I had a support team around me that did a lot of the, the legwork, like reporting and customer needed something. They did all that. And I treated them like I, a quarterback treats their front line. Like I really That's treated right. my support team because they freed me up to go sell more, add more, grow more. The, the thing that 
I just never felt like when I was an account manager, I never actually felt like I was selling. I mean, it's a different than I do when I'm actually yeah. hunting for business. I just had a different feeling about it because I was with my clients all the time. Like I, there was, I don't know that I ever had a customer that I didn't talk to at least once a month and have a relationship, yep. and have a relationship. But even if it was just call them up and going, Hey, just was thinking about you. How you doing? Just that yep. type of a, of a, of a, of a conversation. And my only job was to do that. I was the face of the business to those accounts. So I'm a little incredulous as a, when I look out there and I don't exactly know what's happening, that there are account managers for companies where, and I'm, I'm, I'm still a small company. I've got, you know, 30 something people, but there are in situations with some software that we run, I've got, you know, I've got a license for every person on my team. And these, these are, these are not inexpensive sales in terms of, the percentage of the, of the contract to the size of my business, an account manager gets assigned to us. That account manager turns over about 80 times during the, the, the course of our, of our agreement. I don't understand what's happening with companies where you're flipping your account managers that fast. Cause honestly, it's, a, it's account manager is a great job, but, but there are account managers that I know are out there, but I never ever hear from them. And my question to you is, and maybe you have a, an explanation for this is what are these people doing with their time? Like if you're not talking with me, what are you doing? Oh man. I love that question. If that isn't a perfect podcast style question, I it's, it's something that it's something that I feel like probably plagues VPs of sales and CEOs in every single company, especially with the work from home stuff. Right. Um, because you know, at the end of the day, it's, if, if you're talking to only your clients that you're set to renew this month, you know, what other accountabilities did you have for the rest of the day, the week, the month that you had to go execute on? Um, and I think at, at a certain point, like every business has a certain amount of tolerance for kind of micromanagement style stuff, but like, you know, at a certain point, it's like kind of, you have to kind of lead the horse to water in my opinion, because otherwise, you know, people are just going to do the bare minimum of what it is that they're expected to do. Right. And if, if we're being fair, if you're the type of delegator and relationship builder that you can manage to execute your goal, plus some level of performance and 80% of your day is spent at a racetrack golf course in the kids classroom, helping be a volunteer power to you. Like, great. You've, you've hacked the life code. Like <laughs> I would love to know how that works, but I guarantee that most of our economy is built off of the opposite of that, where a lot of people just do what they're supposed to do. And then they don't do a lot of other stuff. Um, and that's sad, you know, and I think the, the flip side of it is, you know, some businesses force their employees to do vanity metrics. Like how many times did you talk to your clients, quote unquote, and did you log that in Salesforce or how many in-person meetings did you have? And did you log the results of those meetings? Um, and so it's one of those kind of, you know, great unanswerables, I think. Um, and I think that's where a lot of customers of ours have looked at like sales capacity. Like, do we need to have, you know, one salesperson for every 10 customer accounts, or do we need to have kind of five for every 10 so that I can make sure, or, you know, do I need to bump that number in the other direction? Should I have one person manage 50, you know? Um, 
And I think that's why the RevOps kind of profession has really taken off in the last few years is because there's kind of a constant iteration of territory mapping and assignment for that reason. So, yeah, the, you know, the, the, the span of a control for an account manager, when you think about that from an account to account standpoint, you, you need far few account managers than you need hunters because the account manager isn't spending their day prospecting. They, they're not, they're not, they, they have a very high, you've got a really high hit rate. Like you're, you don't have to go do a hundred proposals in order to close 20 accounts. It's a different animal. So typically, you know, you think about it and even our businesses, we start try to right size how many accounts per an account manager. And with Salesgrave University that I talked about earlier, that every, you know, every one of our team accounts, every one of our LMS integrations gets an account manager. We don't know exactly what the number is. So we are looking at that and that that's going to happen because how you segment them out. So if you're a national account manager or a strategic account manager, you're going to have far fewer accounts than if you're, you're an account manager with a small, with a bunch of small businesses, but there's a number out there, a hundred, you know, 200 that an account manager can handle if they've got their accounts segmented out the right way and they've organized themselves. And there's a place where it's going to be too many and the customer is going to suffer. And I think yep. leaders need to figure out what that equilibrium is. Cause if you give an account manager a thousand accounts, they're probably not going to talk to anybody because they're going to be completely right. overwhelmed. But on, right. the, but on the flip side, you have to, you got to recognize that the account manager is gonna, always going to complain because they have too much stuff to do. Right. And the truth is, is that their, their job is to talk with customers, have conversations, be strategic, figure out how to help the, 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 the businesses that they're working with. Understand do they have 100% of the wallet share? So, for example, if I'm segmenting my accounts out, if I've got 100% of the wallet share on this particular company, then the way that I manage them is going to be way different than the ones where I only have, say, 10% of wallet share. And the ones that I have 100%, I'm making sure I don't lose the business. Yeah. And on the ones that have you know, 10%, I'm putting all of my effort into growing and expanding that business to make up for it. I'm not sure that account managers are getting that type of coaching and that type of planning in a lot of companies. I know that your company is a little bit different in the way sure. you operate, which is why you and I spend so much time together because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of what you've, what you've been able to accomplish at zoom info. But the, for me, it's like, if I look at an account manager, it's how do they have their day blocked? What are the activities right. that they're running during their day? How do they have their accounts segmented out so that they have they know where to put their priorities and ensuring that they, that they don't lose track of accounts so that they're not showing up on the doorstep of a renewal and then going, Hey, Hey, remember me? Let's get yeah. it renewed. Oh, by the way, there's going to be a price increase on this thing. You know, so that they've got a plan. That's the one thing when I, I look at that in a, a book I wrote called people love you, which is about this. That's the gap I see is that I think so many organizations say, and I'm, and I'm guilty of this. Okay. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I probably I'm going to church on this, but we, you get someone, you go, you're the account manager and you go, go, your job is to make sure we don't lose them. And then that's, that's right. the entire strategy for the account manager. That's right. I mean, I, I think, I, I think what I heard you say earlier, which was one, one of the nuggets I'm saying, I'm taking from this conversation. I was trying to steal something from what we talk about is kind of the reiteration of like, if you're constantly connected with your client, you never feel like you're selling them on stuff. Right. And so we've talked about how sales is kind of a series of micro progression and micro events. You know, for me, it's kind of like if I'm doing my job well, you know, whether it's a today thing, 
or a tomorrow thing, or if it's a once every six months thing, I have some level of accountability to my client or with my client after every interaction. And I think that goes back to, does your business reward that for your account managers? Because at a certain point, like sellers are in the sales profession for a reason. They're incentivized to be successful, own their own business, own their own destiny, be rewarded for their hard work, financially drive outcomes. Um, But at a certain point, if a seller can't see a path to beating or exceeding their plan, they do not go look for more work to do. And I'll use myself as an example there. Like I was very late to realizing that I wanted to be a lawyer in college until like my last semester of my senior year. (laughs) And then I joined our mock trial team. Uh, I did debate in high school. I was very good at it. I didn't do anything in college until I found out there was a mock trial team and I would love to join that. And it was like literally some of the most enjoyable time at that college for me. And I was, you know, our coach was the head of the justice department at UNH. And I was like, I want to go to law school. Like this was so much fun. He's like, kid, you don't have the grades for it. And, you know, candidly, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend, you know, going and trying to go grind yourself down and do all the things and try to beat yourself up over applications. I would just go get a job and see what happens. And then you can always go apply to law school later. And I said, okay, well, I wanted to go to law school. Uh, let me go get into a sales role. And here I am looking back. I'm like, do I really want to be a lawyer or do I want to get the accolades and the results and the reward that came from all the hard work that would go into that? Um, I think in sales, you have to create the opportunity for someone to be successful. And so account managers will do the bare minimum if they don't think they can go hit their number or they can beat their number. And I think you usually see account managers work more hours willingly. And I shouldn't just say it's about hours, but put in more sweat equity willingly at an earlier stage when they can go do 160, 180% of their plan. And it's not just one or two people doing it. And so what I've seen, and you know, thankfully again, all these things I keep learning from my own company, which is nice is how do we kind of make things more accessible for everybody to go and achieve and attain, whether that's kind of a sprint, you know, incentive that we put out to the team between now and the end of time period X that rewards certain customer centric behavior as opposed to just pure on net revenue retention. You know, an example is we learned early in the year that like this headwind was real, right, in our space. And so you had mentioned, you know, if you have a thousand dollar client and you churn the whole thing, zero is a big loss. But if you churn 500 of that, it's a much bigger win to your business where you don't lose the customer, you just lose half of that revenue you can climb back from. Those are little things that like business leaders need to understand that account managers are only going to operate within the playground that you let them play in. And I think, yes, there's always going to be that lazy person that kind of cheats the system, but there are certain effects of creating an environment where they think they can go beat it and make something even more out of it. Cause usually there's something to go aspire to if they can. I'm really impressed that you had sales grades. So so when you were going to law school, they go, they go, you can't go to law school. You have, you have sales grades. Sorry, sorry, sir. I like that. I was, I was going to, I want to go to law school as well. I had sales grades. So um, they said, uh, you know, with, with your 2.79 grade point average, it suggests <laughs> that maybe you go get a job making, making prospecting calls. Um, but you're, you, everything you said there is, is right on the money. Now, when, when I think about a leading account management, the way that the way that for me, like it was always done, and I worked for a company that had a really robust a customer retention focus. Like we were, 
because we were a recurring revenue model and everything was contractual. Losing customers was devastating. So everything that we did was focused on retaining the customer. And even if we only retain a certain amount of the customer, you know, I, one of my great mentors one time said, you can't raise prices or sell more to someone, a customer you don't have. So that's right. Keep the customer. But the, what we did was at the beginning of the year with our top accounts, you would have a, an account plan. So there'd be a business plan for every single account. And that's where the account managers were. You were tasked with knowing the business. So you had to understand how much growth opportunity was in the account. How much wallet share did you have? Who are all the key players in the account? Are there other divisions that we don't know about that we should be getting into? Do we have competitors that are in those accounts that we need to, to displace and kick out? Are we sharing it? That type of thing. Where are these opportunities? And you would have that put that together. That would roll up into your business plan for the year. And then typically the company would add another 20% or 30% right. on top of that. And then right. that would become your, your quota. But one of the things that I find as a leader, Will, for me is, is that works is sitting down with my account managers. And, and oftentimes I'll just do this at a whiteboard and I've got a list of accounts and I'm like, all right, tell me about this one. Help me understand that. And it's usually I'm, I've got a, a report on, especially on account renewals, where I'm looking at the renewals that are coming up over the next 90 days. And I'm asking really hard questions about these accounts. And what I find is that in, in, in many cases, I'm asking the question, the account manager doesn't have the answer to it. And if they don't have the answer to it, then, but my asking it puts them on the spot. Typically the next time I ask about it, they know about it. So yeah. I think a big thing for, for leaders is with your accounts, you just can't set it and forget it. You got to be sitting down with your account managers and making sure that they know those businesses inside and out. And they ought to, at a minimum, know what the business does and what type of outcomes they're trying to accomplish and how what you do helps them accomplish those outcomes. Because if they don't know those things, it's going to be very difficult for them to go in and make recommendations and, and help their customers um, with the problems that they're facing. Because otherwise, all the account manager does and this customer success manager does is they call up and go, hey, how's our, how are things going? Like, that's yep. the dumbest question you can ask as an yep. account manager. How, like, how, do you, how do you do it? Like, what's, what's the process for checking with the account managers and making sure the account managers are connected to, their, to, to the accounts that they own? I mean, I, I think we're working on getting better and better at it. I have to be honest, it's one of our biggest opportunities as a business to grow right now because we have um, a team sell motion at ZimInfo where there are so many different folks that might interact with our clients, specialist sellers, sales development representatives, customer success managers, executive alignment conversations, account management. Um, what we're what we've recently put in place is methodology to kind of track where we are in the buying stage to simplify like stages. We used to have forever just the same stages we had since we had, you know, 30 salespeople uh, and no one really knew how to answer what validated fit meant. <laughs> um, but we also have put in place like different training around where are we as opposed to like, is this the use case? You know, it's the good old fashioned, you know, triangle, right? Is it the use case, the department case, the corporate case and little tools like that? You know, I'm sure every business has a different version of what tool that they've deployed. But what we realize is our account managers historically haven't needed to get too much farther outside of the use case and maybe the department case. 
And so things that we're putting in place are things like generative AI to translate and transcribe all the different earnings calls or the press releases that go out so that our account managers can have a very digestible, easy to understand view of this business cares about these three things. And then turn that into a narrative with your account team to go talk to the client and ask questions with the client. Because again, one of the, one of the things we've talked about before, um, you know, it's annoying when your account manager comes to you and says, tell me what keeps you up at night or tell me what's going on in your business or what are your corporate goals right now? It's like, man, I don't have time to tell you that. Like, you know, I wish I did, but I don't, you know, and, but if it's a lot different if I say, you know, it sounds like, you know, this was a call that we had earlier today. You know, it sounds like you're really focused on engaging more customers in the middle market of your audience you know, I'm just curious, like, why does that matter so much now? And, you know, the answer came back as well. One of our corporate goals was yeah. it's such a basic block and tackle thing, but there's a reason that like professional athletes don't do crazy stuff and <laughs> make things up on the field all day. They do the basic thing. They do the basic block or the basic route run. Or, you know, there's a reason that, you know, lawyers don't just make up law on the spot when they're arguing rhetoric. They actually cite precedent and they talk about things. There's a reason doctors sometimes innovate, but they don't just kind of make up stuff on the spot. They're like, well, I, I remember from my basic training or military, you know, it's just, these are the things that like, if you can remember the tools of, I have to make sure I get the corporate case. And if I'm building a relationship here, Hey, okay, we're going to talk about how, you know, going after, you know, being as effective as possible with sales prospecting is important to you. Right. But if we're going to talk about you penetrating the middle market, why does your CEO, CEO care about that? Well, they actually don't. What do they care about? From what I heard in your 10K, because I listened to it, quote unquote, I had generative AI translate it. What I heard from your 10K is that your business does really well when you don't have to involve third parties to sell your product. And there's a huge profit margin opportunity to go sell to this one market because you can do it direct. Does that, does that resonate with your team? Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's actually one of our things that we've been asked to think about. How do we fit? That's that I'm not a salesperson account yes. manager. Right. Um, and that was a call we had this morning. And, it, you know, we've been trying to crack the code on this account for a very long time. And they've heard all the sales and song and dance and pitches and all the products that we sell a hundred times. But, you know, maybe now there's that beachhead to say, let's focus on that and be a good partner. You know, I remember a couple of times in that one call, you know, the client started to say, well, what about this? What about that? I was like, we can help with those things. But what I'm hearing you tell me is you have focus and attention and buy-in from your team right now. So let's make you look really good and go solve that thing before you also look for other stuff. And she's like, that's great. That would be really helpful. But I also do think, and then they make it their idea and then you're not selling them on, you know, all that good stuff. So, But that's the trust factor you build through multiple engagements, through right, lots right. of conversations where when you're sitting down with them, you're able to direct the conversation. One of the concepts that I wrote about in, in People Love You, which is an account management book, is called the pull strategy. And the ultimate goal for me when I'm, when I'm an account manager is that I've, I've developed trust and relationships with my customer to the point that when they're having problems or when, they're, when they've got a strategic direction or when they're trying to go someplace, they call me and ask me my opinion. In other words, they pull me in. They pull me in and give me a seat right. at the table. Right. And that came from some, some research that we did with another client that we were helping solve their account management problems and help them build a system where we realized that they were losing the accounts where the account manager was sitting on the outside and was, and was, was seen as a vendor 
And the accounts that were growing and expanding were the ones where the account manager had a seat at the table. They were just part of the team. They would say, we want to, we want to get your opinion on this. Even if the opinion had nothing to do with whatever the account manager was selling. But the, because the account manager was there, when they started batting around different ideas, the account manager was able to shape the future buying decisions because they were in a position of trust. So when I hear you say, okay, we're using generative AI to break down 10Ks and to provide easy to access and easy to consume information on accounts. So when we show up, we sound like we know what we're talking about. Like we, we demonstrate to them that we care because we, we listen to them. It doesn't do you any good if the account manager doesn't actually go consume the information. So I mean, they weren't going right. to read, if they weren't going to read the 10 K if they won't read the two paragraph thing that generative AI did built for them and really understand their customer, that won't work. And if you don't go talk to customers, you can't do what you just said. Like they're not going to listen to you and you try to rein them in. They, they, it doesn't work that way. And I think that that, if we leave with one thing, Will, it is if you're an account manager, your job is to go interact and engage people. It is to have conversations in your accounts. And we are in a land of digital transformation and with, especially with AI, where we can, we can, give you information very quickly. Like you can do research. You can like very quickly on chat GPT. I can go in and say in a table format, give me the list of all of the competitors of this company and give me their core value propositions. And I can, I can have that done in about 15 seconds, go back and look at it. When I walk in the door, I can say, tell me what you believe sets you apart from this competitor. How can I help you do this better? Yeah. You you got to invest the time with your customers because when I look at account retention and I'm going to let, let, leave you with throwing this in your lap and let's see what you do with it. But um, <laughs> when I think about account retention and when companies call us in that, that are having problems, when they call my company as consultants to, to solve customer sat score issues or account retention issues, what we, what we typically find is the account managers are telling us, Oh, they left because our prices are too high or our competitors are doing this, or we didn't have this particular feature function system for them or all kinds of other reasons. When we go and we surveyed the customers, almost 70% of the customers tell us, and this is consistent across multiple engagements. They tell us that they just didn't feel like anybody cared about them. So right. in other words, you lost the business because you took it for granted. Yep. But everybody in the company is looking for all the excuses and all the excuses typically are price, feature, function, some other thing that is external to the fact that the customer just didn't feel like they were important to you. How, right. What, what do you say to that? And what's your best advice for account managers who are busy and they got a lot going on and they have all the issues for making your customers feel like they're important to you? I mean, that's the most insatiable need any human being feels is the need to feel like we matter. I mean, I, I think this, the word that kept kind of flashing across when you were describing that is, is neglect. You know, neglect in a relationship is the beginning of the end of that relationship. And look, it's easy. I was just talking to my brother about this. He's going through an amazing transformation physically. Um, he, he's totally flipped his physical wellness on its head. He's inspired the heck out of me and a bunch of his friends. Um, and, and, but what, you know, what he says is, you know, I don't really feel like I'm doing anything that crazy. I found something that works for me that I commit to. And it's always easier to put something off, 
you know, in your head than it is to do the thing. But when you do the thing, you're like, why, why would I even, why would I even not do the thing? And so what I would, what I would say for account managers listening to what Jeb just described is it's easy to put off the, well, my client who's good and that, you know, I last talked to, they're good. I'm going to call them next month, but it's so much more damaging to do that where you could have spent the five minutes that it probably would have taken to send them in like nice little thoughtful, Hey, how you doing? I remember you told me this, I'm thinking of y'all or to spend a scheduled, which in my opinion is the better way to do it. You know, let's have a time carved out just you and me to get together, you know, call it a date night. My wife and I are in three little kids era right now, six, four and eight months. Like, yeah, but one night a week is date night. You know, and, and that's it. I mean, that is the time where we get to go be 100% together. Yeah. Do we spend time building Lego together up in this very office a couple times a week? If we watch TV together every night, do we spend a lot of time? Yeah. But if you don't make the time for that dedicated zone. And so you don't want to, you don't want to let neglect kind of be the beginning of the end of those relationships, even if you're not realizing you're neglecting and creating a space to kind of continue to stay close to your clients and not trying to over impress them or come with acts of grandeur and be like, I read in your 10 K that you did all this stuff, but just translating like a nice gesture, you know, um, the funny thing that my wife and I joke about is like the most romantic thing that she wants me to do for the record. Not that I do, I do romantic stuff. The most romantic thing I do is to, uh, you know, unload the dishwasher (laughs) because I know those little things that matter to her. That's one of those examples, right? So the most endearing thing to your client might be, Hey, I set a reminder six weeks ago that it was my client's four-year-old's birthday on this date. I'm just going to drop him a quick little note. Hey, I'm thinking of you. I hope you have a great day. I thought of this, that, and the other thing. And that little tiny chip, you know, is a lot easier to do than you think it is. And it's a lot more impactful than neglecting for the sake of not overcomplicating. And and I think that's what I've taken away from Jeb almost every time we've talked. And, you know, I think that's what I work really hard to implement in all the stuff that we do at some info. That's powerful, powerful advice. What a great way to end the podcast. Will, I, you know, I think a lot of Zoom Info, I use the tool. Um, my team uses the tool. We've expanded our relationship with you. So we've, as an account, we've, we're, we're growing and adding on. It works. Uh, but there's lots of salespeople who are listening to this who probably use Zoom Info in, the, in their jobs because you're so ubiquitous these days. But I, so rather than talking about the tool itself, which I know you're an expert about, I really want to talk about careers at Zoom Info. Like, why would someone, like, you've got this great career. Why would, a talented sales professional or a talented account manager want to consider looking at your organization as a place to take their career? Uh, I, I can't say for sure. I would, I would answer that the same way for every seller, right? Because it's gotta be just as much about the candidate as this is the client. I used to be a recruiter. I've recruited a lot of people to come to zoom info that have been successful. Um, and so I always say, you know, it's worth looking for the mutual fit. Why I think it's a good mutual fit for a lot of strong sellers is, you know, our clients are a highly engaged, willing to engage client base that historically speaking have been, you know, I'll speak because we're on a sales podcast, have been undersold. Our clients are highly engaged, but undersold. And that's mainly our fault. You know, we've over-educated them on stuff that we do, but we've undersolved in a clear, simplified way. And we've ridden the wave of 
you know, a lot of great stuff over the years, but that's been our focus for the last couple of years is how do we become even more customer centric to not just talk about all the stuff that we do. And, you know, you see great salespeople come here. I just had lunch with three account managers the other day and they're like, I just haven't worked anywhere that I thought I had a legitimate shot to beat my plan, beat my plan and then come to work next year and not really be hung out to drive on my business. And those are things that, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to say, I see it in, in, you know, firsthand every single day at Cementfo. I, I would say too, that, you know, we, we look for people though, that aren't kind of coming in and saying, I've already got it all figured out and I'm just going to bring my playbook in. You know, we really do think it's a great spot to have folks come and be willing to learn and understand what's working at our business and then go execute the play. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of sellers, are built that way. And so it's a nice conducive environment where the whole business is kind of on board to help that motion work. Um, and so I think that's another fun place, you know, that I see sellers come in and say, if I can go execute the plays really well, I'm going to do really well. Whereas I don't have to come in and kind of invent everything all over again, or kind of hope that everybody's going to follow what worked for me at my last business. Um, and it's been really fun to see most recently. Some of our best sellers are new folks from the outside that have come in, uh, or even promotes, which is always my favorite thing to see the folks that kind of come in do the inbound SDR to outbound SDR to, uh, to seller. And then they, they kind of run laps around all the folks that have been here for a while, which is cool. Well, I, if, if I'd add to that, I think that the, the thing that I love about zoom info as an organization is that you have amazing people working there. So if you go work at a company like yours, you're going to be working in it with a peer group that are all a players you've built systems and processes but you're constantly innovating. Like, it's not like you think about uh, 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 the product that you sold. I mean, if, if we just go back five years ago and think of what you sold then and look at the platform now, how it's changed, how it's evolved. So it's a company that's constantly innovating. So if you're, if you're the type of salesperson, you're especially a players, when you're, you've got super level talent, you don't want every day to be exactly the same. Like you want, you want this process where you're constantly getting better and better and better at, uh, at, at what you do as a business. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, opportunity for, for the near future is to find, you know, the beachhead, find, find the next thing that we can help our clients accomplish. And I think that's been, that's been what's exciting for me is, you know, you have so much offer, so much to offer to your clients, but you know, if you, if you do it right, you don't have to kind of go overwhelm them with all the stuff that you do. And, and that creates a nice long-term opportunity as well for your client to succeed. And also for a seller, because what could be better than to have new stuff to always talk about and continue to provide value around. So if people got questions for you, maybe about careers at Zoom Info, or if you're a business and you're looking for leads and data to learn more about how Zoom Info can help you build your pipeline, well, how should they contact you? Um, I, uh, I have, I have a LinkedIn page. I don't have much else as far as self-promotion, but, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm open to connect with anybody. I would say for folks that are looking to apply, hopefully this is good for your podcast to find the person on, uh, on zoom info or on LinkedIn or wherever that, uh, has a talent acquisition title, send them the link to the job and CC me on the email. That'll be a way to stand out. I always have people say, "Can you submit me?" It's like, I, man, I'd love to, but we have a very sophisticated intake system, and there's a lot of people applying, in all seriousness, in the world right now for jobs. And so, to stand out, you know, get creative, do something a little extra, start reaching out via email, pick up the phone, and make a couple phone calls. Uh, some of our best sales hires have, you know, come through our intake process, but also 
found a creative way to get get in the, the, the side door there and, and start to sell through the business. So that, that would be my advice. Very, very good. Well, I'm gonna leave you one secret about me. When, uh, when I got out of school, I decided I was going to be a lawyer too. And I really <laughs> want to be an attorney. And I got, I actually got approved. Like, I, I mean, I, I applied to law school. I got accepted to law school All right. and I was about to take it. I'm the number one salesperson in my company. And my company comes to me and says, uh, we've got a promotion for you, make you a sales manager. Cause they knew I was leaving. I told them I'm leaving to go to law school. So they came and made me an offer. And my dad is an attorney. I sat down with him and said, Hey, what am I going to do? Like, I really want to be a lawyer, but I've got this great promotion. And he said, take the promotion. You're going to make way more money in sales in the long term." And it turned out that he was right. So, yep. um, so it was an interesting thing. And by the way, my, my wife, uh, like the most, the most sexy romantic thing I can do is wash the dishes. It's crazy. <laughs> See, we're all, we're all similar folks at heart, right? That's why you and I get along so well. <laughs> so, thank you folks. I th- will thank you so much. And I uh, will have everybody listen. I'm still laughing. Listen, uh, go check out SalesGravy university, learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com. If you're a business, if you're an individual, Go check it out. The most powerful sales training engine on earth. Truly, folks, I can stand here passionately and tell you there is nothing else like it. If you want to elevate the skills of your team, if you want to sell more, go check out SalesGrave University. And right now, if you've never taken a course before, you can take your first course absolutely free. Use the code free course at learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. We'll see you next time on the SalesGravy podcast.